Let's pray together to that end. Father, we do ask that you would come now in this moment and open our hearts and our ears and our minds to hear what you want to say to us. Help each of us, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, to take that next step today. Even if it might be uncomfortable, even if it might be unpopular, God, help us to follow you no matter what. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, Jesus has sent us out on a mission. This is his plan to change the world. In Luke 12, verse 2, Jesus says this, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then in the very next verse, Jesus says, Go, I am sending you out. Like the 72 disciples in this context, he is also sending us. And as we pray for more workers, we go out as a worker ourselves into the harvest field. I want to share some facts and figures about the harvest field here in Wayne County and Orville, Ohio. Does anybody know the population of Wayne County? Not really something we know off the top of our head, right? But it, it is 117,000 people. 117,000 people live in Wayne County. How much of that is the great metropolis of Orville? Hoo-hoo. Well, it's about 8,500, okay? Now, approximately 44% of the people living in Wayne County in Orville identify themselves as nuns. And I'm not talking about Catholic nuns here, Okay. I'm referring to N-O-N-E-S, nuns. Meaning, these folks do not identify themselves with any church or religion. They check the nun box on the survey. And here's what we know about the nuns. 60% of them will never come to a worship service at a church building. They're not coming. If you invite them to come here on Sunday morning, you can try that, but there's a 60% chance they're going to decline. And so what does this mean for most unchurched people in our community? What's it going to take to reach them? Well, first of all, do you think it's possible to reach Wayne County in Orville? Do you think that's possible? I want you to look at what Luke writes in Acts 19. He says, Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, he entered the synagogue and spoke, spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And this went on for two years, so that what? All the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. That is incredible. So Paul would teach and have discussions, and then those who were followers of Jesus would go out, and they would share the message about Jesus. And it says all the Jews and Greeks in Asia 
heard about Jesus? Some estimates, and I don't know how accurate these are, but I've heard that some estimates say that this could have been more than one million people. Now, suppose today we hosted an event down at the shoe in Columbus. How many have been down to the shoe? Been down to the shoe before? Okay, maybe you've been to a game, maybe you drove by on the highway, big place, right? Let's say we host an event down at the shoe with 100,000 people in attendance. And imagine if 20% or 20,000 of those people came to Christ in one day. Let's just imagine that, okay? That would be amazing. But let's say you could reproduce that every day for one full year, 365 days times 20,000 new believers every day, what would that be? Any math people here just can kind of figure that out? I can't. I did the math. It's 7.3 million people would come to know the Lord. So if we used that strategy every day in an attempt to reach the nearly 5.5 billion non-believers in our world, how long would it take? Okay, divide 5.5 billion non-believers by 7.3 million annual new believers. Again, anyone do the quick math in their head? Not me, that's why I went to Bible college, there was no math, all right? The answer is, it would take 753 years to reach that many people. Not to mention all the money and all the time and all the effort and all the personnel that that would take to hold these big events in this big stadium. But what if instead, you and I, we developed one disciple of Jesus every year, just one, and equipped them to train another disciple? What would happen? See, using this strategy, we could reach the world's 5.5 billion non-believers in just 34 years. And we could reach Wayne County in 17 years, somewhere right in here. We could reach the entire state of Ohio in 24 years. So if every year... For the next 24 years, I personally made a new disciple of Jesus and equipped them to make and train another disciple the next year, and we all did that again the following year and for 24 straight years. Ohio would be reached by the year 2047, and I could retire a very contented man at the age of 72. And that's just me. What if we all started doing that? And I hope and pray we all can start to do that because I want an early retirement. It'd be great. Now, I understand not everyone is going to believe and follow Jesus. Right? I get that. But just think of the exponential impact that could happen. And notice, notice over here, it starts with one. Just one. You and me. Jesus has sent us out on a mission. This is his plan to change the world. The potential is so great. 
The harvest is plentiful. The problem is the workers are few. And so we pray for workers, and as we do, Jesus tells us in Luke 10, verse 3, go, I am sending you out. He's sending you, and he's sending me. You know, perhaps we could say it this way. In order to reach the nuns, it starts with one. It starts with you and me, and it starts with your one and and my one. And by God's grace, your one and my one can turn into two and then four and then eight. And as we persevere, this, this long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson said, we will begin to see fruit like the parable that was read early in the service, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. It's exponential. But you know, in order for that to happen... As we talked about last Sunday, and this is tough, but we must leave the things of this world while still remaining in the world. If we want to see exponential impact, if we want to see God's mission, his kingdom come to our county, We must leave things like the countless hours we spend glued to the TV and scrolling our social media feeds. We must leave things like the pursuit of money and possessions. You know, we just need one more thing. We must leave things like the relationships around us that take us off mission and instead turn those relationships into the mission. We must leave things like the comforts of our nice little world in order to enter the crazy, messed up world of those around us. For Jesus said in Luke 9.23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Man, I'm telling you, this requires a daily self-denying commitment. This requires a radical, immediate, costly obedience. This requires a bold, unapologetic allegiance to King Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Are you in? You know, they say the job of a pastor is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And I know for me, I've been a bit too comfortable lately. As a pastor, it is so easy to become insulated and isolated from the outside world doing church work. And some of that work is good and necessary, but the primary work of the church, make no mistake, is to go out into a lost and hurting world and make disciples. See, Jesus has sent us out on a mission. This is his plan to change the world. Last Sunday, we talked about the potential and the problem. Today, we want to we unpack the plan. The plan. So let's turn again to Luke 10 in our Bibles, if you would do that with me. If you do not have a hard copy of the Bible, there should be one close by there on the chair rack in front of you. That's our church's gift to you today if you don't have a Bible. You can also use the YouVersion Bible app, which I would highly recommend. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet, please download that and start to use it. Let's start at verse 
Number two in Luke 10. It says, he, this is Jesus, told them, these are the 72 disciples he's sending out, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the first piece of the plan that we're going to unpack today is to pray. Pray. Jesus says that we need to ask the Lord of the harvest. That, that we need a humble dependence upon God because, man, if he is not in this, it will surely fail, right? I mean, we need his heart. We need his power. We need his wisdom. See, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. This is his mission. If people are going to come to him, it's going to be his doing, not ours. And so we pray and we lean into him. Let me encourage you this week to set a daily alarm for 10.02 a.m. to remind you of Luke chapter 10, verse 2, and also to prompt you to pray to pray for more workers to be sent out into the harvest field. Would you do that? Would you set your phone alarm or maybe your, your old school watch kind of person? You know? Whatever you use, set that alarm, 10.02 a.m. And at that moment, you think about Luke 10.2 and how Jesus is asking us to pray for more workers to be sent out. And then in verse 3, Jesus continues. He says, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Wow. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Now, don't miss that two-letter word at the beginning of this verse. What is it? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Go. We must go. We don't want to assume this. We want to make sure this is clear. Because I think this can be the hardest part to actually go. Like to literally, physically get up and go somewhere and to do something. Now, we already go places during the course of a day, right? Do you go places? Sure you do. I go places. Where are all the places you go in a typical week? How about your workplace? That's pretty popular. Got to go there. The grocery store. Duncan? Anybody? Maybe you go to the gym to exercise. I think it is hilarious. There's a new fitness place right across the street here in Orville from Duncan. I mean, really? Right? Grab a donut and then go grab a dumbbell. Or maybe it's vice versa. I don't know. Anyway, we go to places like the gas station, the bank, then it's off to the movie theater, then it's a restaurant, and then... Then it's back to Duncan, right? It's back to Duncan. Now, we just don't go to these places as followers of Jesus. We go with a purpose, a mission. I've heard it called strategic consumerism. Many of these places we go to repeatedly, right? And as we do, we have opportunities to get to know the people there. See, we need a missionary mindset. For example, as a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary sent by Jesus to your workplace. Do you know that? If you're a follower of Jesus, 
Jesus is sending you as a missionary into your workplace, and your primary goal is not to make money, it's to make disciples. And students, it's the same thing in your school. And it's the same thing in your neighborhood, wherever you live. And so go, go where you're already going, but go in Jesus' name. In fact, I'd encourage you to make a list of all the places you go. Who do you know there? How could you be a witness for Jesus there? Or maybe, maybe there's a new place God wants you to go. In Luke 10, Jesus sends the 72 specifically to the region of Judea, to the various towns he would eventually go, and they were sent out to prepare the way for him. Let me ask, where is Jesus sending you to prepare the way for his kingdom to come? Because Jesus has sent us out on a mission. This is his plan to change the world. Let's continue at verse 5. Jesus says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Now, there's a lot we could unpack there, but I want to lift out of this paragraph a very key principle for our mission. And here it is. It's to find or seek a person of peace. Seek. In other words, who is the person or household that welcomes you? They're friendly to you. They're open to what you have to say. They've even invited you into their world, even their home. That could be a person God has prepared for you to share Jesus with. If we fast forward to Luke 19... Jesus encounters a person of peace up in a sycamore tree. Anybody know what, what that guy's name was up there in that sycamore tree? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, yes. All right. If you don't know the story of Zacchaeus, just go to Luke 19. You can read all about it. Now, if someone goes to the trouble of climbing a tree to see you, that's a sure sign they're a person of peace. Okay? <laughs> but what happens in Luke 19? Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus into his home. He serves him. He's open to what Jesus has to say to him. And ultimately, he turns to God and his life changes in a big way. And so similarly, who is the person in your life right now that has an open heart? I want you to think for a moment. In fact, jot down a name or two right now. It might be a coworker. Next slide. It might be a, a neighbor it might be a family member, a friend. Who is the person of peace? You can see God is, is at work in their life. Or if you're not sure who that person is, maybe you haven't met them yet. And so pray. Go. And seek. Well, the plan continues in verse 8. Jesus says this. He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, or eat what is offered to you. Now, if you've ever been on a mission trip before in a foreign land, that can be hard to do. I mean, just kind of eat what's set before you. But that's Jesus' instructions. He continues, he said, heal the sick who are there, and tell them 
the kingdom of God has come near you. So the last two parts of God's plan that we're going to look at today, the last two parts to reach the world are first, to serve. Heal the sick. Man, I'm telling you, there, there is power in serving and loving people, especially when they can do nothing to repay you. And if you read through the Gospel of Luke, which I hope you're doing or have done or want to do, if you read through the Gospel of Luke, compassion is a huge theme. And notice in this context, compassion comes before sharing the message. We care, and then we share. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. Jesse mentioned it earlier in the video. Hopefully you've had a chance to serve and care for others this past, past week during Love Week. We had someone here at OCC make meals for their neighbors. It's a cool idea. We had a small group donate items to our Lowe's and Fishes food pantry, and then they helped serve those that needed food this past Monday night. We had another small group take baby supplies to the Pregnancy Care Center in Worcester. We had a couple in the church who, who sat, they, they just would sit there with their 92-year-old neighbor, they just went over and sat with them, and then they did some other things just to care for them in, in different ways. Man, the, the list, the, the ideas, the ways in which we can serve people are, are really limitless. And even though we may not have miraculous powers to heal the sick like the 72 did in Luke 10, we can still bring help and hope through our service. Jesus taught us to pray this. He says, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what I believe? I believe that prayer is answered. God's kingdom comes to earth when we care and serve those in need. So who could you serve this week? Who could you serve? If you haven't done your Love Week project yet, get busy, do that. But I'm telling you, Love Week just doesn't have to be an annual event we do at the church, right? Love Week is every week. We can serve. Jesus has sent us out on a mission. And this is his plan to change the world. And then finally, we, we share. Jesus says, tell them. There's something we got to say. We, we got to tell them. We got to tell them about God's kingdom. We've got to tell them about Jesus. We got to tell them about the peace and new life that can be found in Jesus. Tell them. You see, we, we have good news to share. I, I shared this last Sunday that according to Lifeway Research, 66% of Americans say they're open to having a spiritual conversation about faith with a friend, including 41% who say they are very open. But according to another Lifeway research study, only 29% of unchurched Americans say a Christian has ever shared with them one-on-one -on -one how a person becomes a Christian. And so there, there's this gap here, right? 
Most people are open to spiritual conversations, but most Christians are not sharing the message of Jesus. And I don't say that to, to give you a guilt trip this morning or whatever. I just say that because that's, that's, that's what's happening. Or maybe what's not happening. Now, I think I know why. And this, this is true for me. I don't know if it's true for you. It probably is. This is way out of our comfort zone, right? Who wants to be viewed as a weirdo, a Jesus freak? I mean, what do I say? What if I get the person who is not open to a spiritual conversation? What might this do to our friendship? You know this friendship I've been building? And friends, I don't know how to get around this. There there is definitely risk involved. And let me just say, we need to be wise. And I would highly recommend you not be weird. Like, yeah, like, you know, big Bible over the head kind of weird person. But you know what? We also need to be willing to step out of our comfort zone. Because I believe if we're not willing to step out of our comfort zone and share the message of Jesus with somebody, we are never going to be able to follow Jesus. And we're never going to have that exponential impact that he longs to work in and through his church. We got to tell them. Jesus has sent us out on a mission. This is his plan to change the world. Are you in? It starts with one. You and me. We pray. We go. We seek a person of peace. We serve. We share Jesus. Now, this is not hard to understand, but it is hard to do. It's hard to do consistently and daily. This is something we know, but it's not always something we fully obey. And so to help equip and train us in this, to help us get better at this as a church, we started something a couple months ago called Discipling Boot Camp. I want you to say that with me. Discipling Boot Camp, one, two, three. Very good. Discipling Boot Camp. We want to raise the bar here at OCC. That's why we call it a boot camp. All right? This isn't going to be something that's really enjoyable necessarily. We want this to take you out of your comfort zone. This, this is boot camp. We had 12 people participate in the first one, a very biblical number, by the way, 12. They are the chosen. And now those 12 are trying to put these things into practice. And you know what? We need a community of practice. We need people around us who are trying to practice these things as we try to practice them as well. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need prayer. We need accountability. But here in a couple months, we're going to offer another discipling boot camp. And this one, we're excited about this one because this one is going to be a one-day retreat format. Kind of one day done, here we go. It's going to be Saturday, June 24th from 8.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. It's going to be at Inspiration Hills Camp about 20 miles from here. It's a great, great scene, great setting. We're going to have more details in the coming weeks, but, but man, I hope you will consider joining us for a day of training and connection and, and getting on mission together around these practices. Jesus has sent us out on a mission.
this is his plan to change the world. And so here's the takeaway for today. It's this. Who's your one? Who is your one? Who is your person of peace right now? Who is God preparing for you to disciple? And here's a prayer that I want us all to pray this week. It's there in your message notes. If you got your message notes in front of you, here's the prayer. Father, bring me a person of peace and enable me to serve and and share Jesus with them, to baptize them and teach them and, and then enable them to do the same with someone else. And God, would you make this happen this year? Do you think that's a prayer God would want to answer? I do. I think he absolutely would want to answer this prayer. And so would you pray it this week? It's exponential. And it starts with one. Just one. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now go. I am sending you. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, bring us Bring us a person of peace and enable us to serve and share Jesus with them, to baptize them and teach them, and then enable them to do the same with someone else. And Father, would you, by your mercy and grace, make this happen this year as we pray and as we go and as we seek and serve and share. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.